0: Hey, welcome to episode 75 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and my guest today is Renita Gale. She is a casting director who has cast hundreds of television commercials, TV shows, films, music videos, and she has so many wonderful insights for actors. But more importantly, she has a beautiful story about how she became a mom that I think a lot of people can relate to and will be moved by. So I'm excited to share that with you. But first, I want to tell you guys about the sponsor of Motherhood in Hollywood. It's Olin Organic. Olin Organic creates beautiful and all-natural organic clothes for kids. And I could tell you right now, you guys, I'm holding some of the pajamas in my hand right now, <laughs> some of them, one of the pajama sets, and I also have one of their beautiful blankets. And these products are All organic. They're made with 100% certified organic cotton, which is so much better for your baby and the environment. The fabrics are free of bleach, silicone, formaldehyde, plastic inks, chemical flame retardants, all of those things which are commonly found in traditional baby clothes. Now, as moms, we're always looking for the very best to put our children in, and this is it Olin Organic. Go now to OlinOrganic.com, check out their products. They have baby blankets, they have baby bibs, they have pajamas, they have onesies. And when you go to the checkout, type in MIH10 and you'll get 10% off of your order just from Motherhood in Hollywood and Olin Organic, creating stylish and sustainable clothes for your kids. Hello, Mama! Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in
1: Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather.
0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm so glad you're here because I have a really wonderful guest this week, um, as I do every week, let's just be real. And, uh, her name is Renita Gale. She is a very well-known casting director, actress, and voiceover artist who has been working in this business for quite some time and has cast hundreds of commercials and films and music videos and television shows. So I can't wait to share her tips. She's got some amazing tips for actors. If you're wondering, um, about the behind the scenes process of what goes in specifically to commercial casting. You want to stick around for this one. It's very good information. In fact, it was a lot of stuff I didn't even know. So, uh, professionally huge help uh, on this podcast, but also I want to talk a little bit about the personal side of getting to know Renita um, she and I found each other on social media and sort of uh, been tweeting back and forth. And I thought, I'm just going to ask her if she would like to come and be a guest on my show because she does have so much experience and knowledge in this business. And she agreed. And the story she tells about her journey to becoming a mother is so wonderful and raw and real and very touching. And, um, I just, I'm really honored that she took the time to share that with me, and um, you know, also with you. So I hope that you gain something from it. I hope you're inspired by it, and I hope that you enjoy it. So thank you, thank you, Renita, for taking the time to um, to be on my show. I think I said that in the show like a five five thousand times, but I'm saying it again right now. Uh, you guys, I feel like I'm learning so much by doing this podcast. I feel like I'm you know, not to sound like braggy and all gooey and all that stuff, but I feel like I'm growing as a person and I, it's making me smarter. It's making me more, um, empowered as a woman and as a mom. And there's, uh, you know, you just, you can't, you can't pay for that. There's no, there's no book you can get, no serum you can take or whatever that can help you kind of create that feeling. So, um, yeah, I know it's totally cheesy moment, cheesy moment. Um, but anyway, Oh, I want to really quickly, let's do the social media. Hellos. Did you hear that? I just whistle talked. I do that sometimes. I don't know what, where that comes from, but it's just in the, in the last several years, it's this weird thing I've started doing where I will whistle when I'm talking (laughs) and I don't know why. Um, if anybody knows or has any insights as to why all of a sudden I would start like whistle talking, uh, I promise I'm not drunk. Uh, okay. Really quickly over on Twitter. If you guys haven't found me on Twitter yet, it's at MIH podcast, please go there and interact with me. That's where I like to put a bunch of random, Um, Sometimes wildly inappropriate comments or tweets about my life. Uh, Hello to Hot Mama Fit at Hot Mama Fit. Thank you for following me over on Twitter. I want to say hello to the Atlas Coffee Club. Hey, what's up? I like coffee. Um, Elise Sievert. Hi, at Elise Sievert. Thank you so much for following me. She looks like she's a New York actress and filmmaker. Pretty cool. Angela Merrill. Hi. Ooh, a stunt woman, an actress, an author. There's some pretty amazing ladies out there. That's one thing that I'm learning more about, too. The more I explore the mom world and the mom community, there are just so many talented women in this world. And it's incredible. And it's very um, empowering to watch. And it's like, you go, girls. I like it. Um, also, you can find me over on Instagram where I post sometimes pretty, sometimes awkward pictures. I don't know, depending on the day, what you might get at Motherhood in Hollywood there. And also on Facebook. I do some live Facebook videos from time to time where I like to interact with everybody. So that is on Facebook at Motherhood in Hollywood. Also, make sure you take a moment to subscribe to Motherhood in Hollywood on iTunes or Stitcher. And for those of you who have just discovered this show this week, you may have noticed we are now on blog. Blog Talk Radio! Yay! I am so thrilled to be working with the folks over at Blog Talk Radio to bring you my show to even more people. If you're here and you're listening to us on Blog Talk Radio, take a minute, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of the episodes, and leave a review. If you're listening on iTunes, leave a review. It's so important and uh, makes a big difference in the visibility of my show and the rankings on iTunes. So, thanks so much in advance for doing that. Appreciate you. All right, I have some fun stuff coming. Coming up this week, I'm going to be doing a live chat on Wonder Walls Facebook page. We're going to be talking about Christmas movies. So you have to join me there and tell me about your favorite Christmas movies and I'll tell you what mine are and what else is happening. Oh, I'm going to an event this week with DreamWorks. I'm super excited about that and also the Hallmark Channel. The Hallmark Channel is showing a very special screening of their new movie, A Nutcracker Christmas. So I'm super excited to go and do that. In addition, somewhere amongst all of the fun, crazy things that I'm doing this week, I' trying to I want to try to go to Disneyland with Channing for Christmas so ooh it's so special. Disneyland is so magical around the holidays. I don't know what it is about that place. I know I said it around Halloween. I'm saying it again for Christmas. It's just a magical place to be. So anyway, uh, I'm going to get right to the interview now. I'm going to wrap up my mommy monologue and go to the interview now with Renita Gale. She's a casting director, actress, and voiceover artist and has a wonderful story about motherhood. So this is always such a treat for me whenever I get to bend the ear of an actual real-life casting director and someone who's also an actor and a mom. Um, uh, Renita Gale, thank you so much for being on the show
1: with me today. It is really, truly my privilege, oh, Heather. So I, nice. I'm, I'm honored that you asked me.
0: Um I... Okay. So I have a lot of questions. I put it out on my social media, uh, for some people to ask questions and they're rolling in and we'll definitely get to those in a second. But I want to start by talking to you about, um, what it is that you do, because when I look at your bio and just from what I've seen of you and what we've kind of chatted about on, on email, um, you're an actor, a casting director, um, and voiceover artist, you do a little bit of everything, right?
1: I do, I do. Well, I won't say everything. I do, I do um, a lot of a few things. <laughs> being being what mainly what you just mentioned, and then a couple other things from time to time. No, is it because but, yeah. you started? Did you start off as an actor? Yeah, I I've been acting since I was a child, and. Um, And, and then I stopped for a long time while I was at first building my casting business. And then about a decade ago, I was finally able to get back to it. And so I've been doing both since then. Um, uh, yeah, I've been doing both since then or all, all since then, I should say.
0: What is it yeah. about casting? Like what made you decide to go into casting? Cause I know there's quite a few casting directors that have started off as actors and sometimes it's the, you know, the appeal of like, I just want a steady job, you yeah. know, or, or like some people realize I, they want to be in control,
1: <laughs> a little more control, you
0: know, than, than what actors have. What, what was it for you?
1: Yeah. Well, um, so I've always said that casting picked me, um, So growing up an actor, any chance I had to play with actors was always my favorite part of any job I did. And I actually started in production. I was a line producer, a producer and a production manager for years. I started back in Boston and, um, because the film community there's so small, and because I was working great a great deal in independent film, I would often get to cross over be, doing jobs. Not that nobody else wanted to do, but like no one had the time to do. So anytime there was anything to do with the actors or casting, I'd be like, "I'll do it. Uh, you don't need to pay me. I'll do it." Oh, nice. And, <laughs> and so I ended up starting to cast just sort of. Because and then when I moved to L.A. um, back in 1998, I was still production managing and producing and um, by a set of really miraculous circumstances, ended up doing some casting and then getting recognized for that and then hired as a casting director by a producer I had met while I was still in production. So So it was really just
0: like the connections and the experience that you had when you moved out to L.A.
1: Yeah. And I just, and you know, the old saying, like, do what you love. It's Mm -hmm. just, I just always loved it. It was my favorite part of the job. I couldn't believe people got paid to be asked. (laughs) Now, were you, are you from Boston? I'm, I'm yeah. Connecticut and Massachusetts. Oh, Mm -hmm. nice.
0: My husband grew up in Boston or he was born, I should say, in Wisconsin. And then he lived in, um, the outskirts of Boston until I think he was like 12 or 13 and in Bill Ricca.
1: In Bill Ricka. I'm from Hingham. Oh, nice! I have so no
0: idea where that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I don't. I think Bill Rick is like Billerica is so funny. I remember in high school, like doing drama competitions against all the t- all the towns. That's the only reason I know half of them. He said it exactly was like, It's Rick very
0: is. like blue collar, you know, Ricca. And I was like, it sounds like it. I just see like somebody from Boston going Ricca, you know, like it. It just sounds like <laughs> yeah. a really Boston. Actually,
1: <laughs> they say it, Bill Ricker.
0: Bill Ricker. Oh, is that what
1: they say? Bill Ricker. Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill Ricker.
0: Where is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck when we need them for their um, for their accents? (laughs) Um, That's so cool. Well, so then you moved out to L.A. and you were doing uh, like the production side of things and doing a little bit of casting. And were you still also acting at that time, too? Or were you really at that point kind of feeling the tug of of more casting projects?
1: Yeah, you know, I was still acting. and, And the funny thing was, it was like I'd go in for an audition and then I'd meet a filmmaker or a producer Add a callback and they'd say, by the way, you you production manage, you produce right I' like, yeah oh. so they'd be like we need a we need we need someone on our team. so for a while, I actually had to stop acting just because I didn't have any time. Any time yeah. um, quality problem, I suppose. but um, I really stopped doing anything in the acting realm for almost gosh, seven or eight years uh, wow. until I finally had the space and also, the sort of confidence, not just in myself, but also as the landscape of our industry started to shift, which you've talked about, um, at different points on your, on your podcast, which I love about how, like, you know, there's nothing that's just this one way anymore. Actors need to create their own content and, you know, casting directors can also be actors and agents can, you know, managers can produce projects and like that. So, the space opened up for me to be able to confidently without it being like a, well, which are you say, yes, I'm an actor and I'm a casting you didn't director.
0: Have to, you didn't feel like you had to choose, which is nice because yeah. I yeah. honestly and I know you listen to the show because but that's something I struggle with. Um, I'm like, well. Am I an actor? Am I now a, a writer? Am I uh, just doing podcasting and mommy stuff? Like, you know, yeah. and my husband is, is nice enough to remind me every once in a while, like, why can't you do all of them? And I'm like, oh, I guess I can. <laughs> There's no I don't have to label and pigeonhole myself, you know.
1: Exactly. You know, we, we all, and it's, and it's true. We all got a little bit conditioned to have to say which sure. and what we were. Um, and there's a reason for that, you know, but, but it's really changed. Yeah. I mean, technology, social media, um, uh, you know, influencing all this whole world that's going on. It's really transformed what we all do. And so we are everything we do.
0: Now, where did you train as an actor? Did you go to college for acting? For theater? Um,
1: you know, I did, a, I did theater and a lot of theater growing up all the way through high school. And um, the funny thing is I had I got accepted to NYU Circle in the Square by the middle of my senior year of high school. Um, and wow. I started at NYU uh, right after I graduated, but I didn't stay. Um, so to go back to your original question, the thing was that I always liked to make money and I always did feel much more secure in life when I knew I had a steady income. And I just, I just at the time didn't feel like I was cut out for four plus years of school with no training and yeah. yeah. And so I actually, uh, long story short, I left NYU. I went back to Hingham. I, um, started at BU for management. My dad had wanted me to take over his business, which I really wasn't that interested in. Um, and then I left BU after a semester and I decided that college was not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I went into business. I, I started running a uh, promotional modeling agency when I was 19 Oh
0: wow!
1: and I come from a family of entrepreneurs and I just didn't know. Enough. I just, that's all I knew. I just knew how to run businesses. So I did that and I never looked back. Well, so. I
0: think honestly, you know, I think a lot about this my in terms of like college and stuff, especially now that I have a daughter because I f- like freak out on a regular, like, how am I going to pay for her to go to college? <laughs> yeah. And, there's something to be said for the entrepreneurial spirit like that and not necessarily, maybe college isn't necessarily the way to go for everybody. Oh my God, please don't send me hateful tweets, everyone. I mean, <laughs> still go to college if it's what you want to do. But I'm just saying, I feel like we, the tide maybe has turned a little bit where you don't have to go and get a four-year degree in order to make a living and like find your way in your career, you know. Um I don't know. i that might yeah. be controversial.
1: But no, I and I but you're but you're preaching to the choir. I mean neither of my parents are college graduates. My father um owned three hugely successful businesses that he built from the ground up. Um, my mother worked with my father for years and has also run businesses for years. And I, not, neither one of them went to college. And so. you know what?
0: And they don't have huge college loans to pay back. My husband <laughs> and I are still paying off our college loans. Yeah. You know? And it's like, come on. It's There is truly something to be said for the freedom of not having a, a giant government loan over your head. That's for sure. So. It's true.
1: You know, here's the one thing I will say um, because I didn't do the college thing, but then as I got into my, um, into my twenties and thirties, I started to really, really take interest and passion in the world of growth and development, uh, personal transformation, um, uh, brain science, uh, law of attraction study, metaphysics. And so I have, spent more time and a lot of money in that realm, getting trained and educated for the last almost two decades. And so that was my college. So what I would say about school is just study what you love. Um, And if that's college, then study at college. If that's something that's not a college accredited thing, study there, but like study what you love.
0: Um, is that why you call yourself a dream fulfillment specialist? Is that where that comes from? Cause I know um, that that's also one of your titles.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, sorry. And I get, I'll just warn you now, like when it comes to the topic of becoming a mom and having dreams come true, I get really weepy because I'm just so moved by oh my gosh, I do the too. way life has gone. I just
0: if cry all the time. start crying, I'm going to cry with you because <laughs> I do too things have this girl when she came into my life changed me in so many ways not just like professionally and like externally but inside I'm I'm much more mushy than I than I ever thought I would be um Yeah don't tell yeah. anybody that's just between us though I don't I, I have a reputation to uphold
1: They're all going to know when we start crying in about 2 minutes I know. Um yeah so so uh it definitely has to do with motherhood but I so I So in my early 20s, life wasn't going the way I really had thought it would go or wanted it to go. And I got to really look at my life um, at a point where maybe some people don't ever look, but early enough to go like, okay, well, why isn't it working? And what do I want to see shift? And I just got that I was the magician in the say of my own life. I really was. And that was through a lot of the, the classes I took, courses I took, work I did. And so the reason I declare myself a dream fulfillment specialist is because I, um, I've done it in my own life. I've said the way I want life to go. And then I've had life go that way. The distinction is it doesn't always look like my pictures, mm-hmm. like I thought it would look becoming a mother perfect example. But um, but at the end, when I say, this is the way my life is going to go, I've had it go that way, but it's not by accident. So I've learned how to also support other people in that endeavor, and when it comes to being a casting director, it's one of those dream jobs where every day I'm a dream fulfillment specialist. I'm fulfilling my clients' dreams, I'm fulfilling the brand's dream, I'm fulfilling the director-producer ad agency's dream, I'm fulfilling the actor's dream, I'm fulfilling my dream. that's how it pertains to casting and acting and then of course as a voice actor that's my one of my dream professions like every day I get to do that is my, oh, my dream no. coach. wouldn't that be amazing oh my god I the love best it.
0: Yeah. I love it. And I, I, um, I love the idea of voice actor. Like I know some people who that's what they do for a living and they just go into a booth and they, you know, make funny voices and they get to be characters. And I'm just like, Oh, that's so cool. You could just wear your sweatpants all the time. Yep. Like the, <laughs> No, makeup, it just sounds amazing.
1: It's the best I love. It. And I have a home booth and it's, so it's great. really, it's a great, it's a, as you've said before, I think you were talking about it on another episode about like, it's a great mom job, you know, yeah. Yeah,
0: perfect for a mom. So are you um, so you're currently still doing voiceover and things like that? Are you also still doing acting?
1: Yeah, um, I, I am doing voiceover steadily. I actually am busier than I've been in a long time, which I'm really grateful for. Um, And then I just started going back out again on camera. Um, I stopped for a little bit over a year because, you know, makeup and hair. and <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's a pain. It's a pain. <laughs> it was like all I could do to get my teeth brushed some days <laughs> with, my, with my casting schedule and my mom's schedule. But finally, life is sort of showing up like I, I'm going out on some on-camera stuff again, which is super fun.
0: Well, good. Well, okay. So let's talk about the mom stuff for a little bit. When you were telling me that you have all of these irons in the fire, you're producing, you're casting, you're acting, you're also doing voiceover. Um, how did the decision to become a mom enter into your life? Was it a decision? Was it an accident? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, so, I realize sometimes yeah. when I ask people that, that I'm like, oh, I should probably, you know, like make sure they know it's okay either way. However, your child <laughs> entered your life. There is no judgment here
1: yeah well i don't um so i you and i it's funny you we've exchanged a lot and i don't know how much you know about my own personal story but um uh so i don't know if you know that i'm i i'm an adoptive mom i i adopted we adopted our son That's great. Um, and uh, we adopted through the los angeles foster system and oh, wow. um going this route was extraordinary and also absolutely not how we originally intended to become parents. Um, But turned out to be exactly how we knew we were to become parents. Um,
0: I have heard, I've heard good and horror stories about adopting through the County um, here in LA, but also through other counties because they just have so many restrictions on the adoptive parents. Um, and there's so many hoops you have to jump through. And then there's also, they're really big on reunification. Yes. So if you're, you know, if you get a child, a place with a child, there's a high likelihood that that child could be taken away from you after six months, a year, you know, however long it takes, because the goal is to ultimately put them back with their family. So correct. I don't know, you know, what your experience is and feel free to share whatever you're comfortable with, but that's, that's been my understanding from people I know who've gone through it
1: yeah you know, and it's a uh, man, it's a topic for like another three hour podcast because <laughs> it, i it's something I'm really passionate about and that I'm fairly knowledgeable about at this point, and then have a ton to learn and um one of the other things I do um in my quote spare time is support other um moms going through the foster adopt process because. It's something just like I think moms always say, like, until you've gone through it, you just can't know. And that goes for motherhood in general, but it also goes for the specifics of certain motherhood cases. And foster adopt is definitely one of them. Um, So my short answer is the single best thing I ever did in my life and absolutely the most gut-wrenching, difficult, uh, scary thing I've ever done in my life was adopting through the foster system. Um, and uh, it's such it, it's it's so worth it. It just takes it, it doesn't matter who you are. it takes everything you've ever, it, it takes everything and more as a human being to do to go through the process. It just does. Um, and uh, so to answer your original question, the long story short is I had gotten into my 40s, I was still single, um, I had kind of made peace with the fact that I may never become a mom. It wasn't, I love, I've always loved children, especially babies, but I always loved children. And, um, but as I got older, I was like, all right, well, maybe that's just not how my life's going to go. And I was finding tremendous fulfillment through other things. And I had lots of babies and children in my life whenever I wanted to, to have them. And, uh, then I, uh, I had kind of a, um, like a, an aha moment, I guess. I, I had a friend, uh, back in 2011, I had a friend who um, passed away at the age of 46 and I had the privilege of being with her in hospice in her few, last few days. And I got to care for her in a way that I'd never gotten to care for another person in my life. And um, there's the tears. Mm-hmm. And I got to see at that moment that, I, I like sat with myself, going like, okay, um, you know, what if my life ended tomorrow? Because you get to ask yourself that question, especially in moments like that. And I thought, what would be the one thing if I were on my deathbed? What would I regret? Is there anything? And I realized the one regret I would have had was not having a child, mm. not being a mom. And it was so clear. And I was kind of taken back by it because I, that wasn't what I would have thought I would have focused on. Um, and so I really got that my higher self was telling me that. And I started to alter everything in my life to create space for partnership, marriage and a child. And, um, that year I met my husband, um, my then, you know, my, my then new boyfriend, Mm -hmm. um, we were married within nine months and we were parents uh, by a year later. Wow. Uh, when I met my husband, um, I, knew he, I knew that there was something big going on, but I had also, and I'm not talking about the biological urges you have, especially in your 30s when your body starts to go like, baby, make a baby, make a baby now. Because mm-hmm. um, I definitely had gone through that, but, but my higher self was like, you are meant to to have a child with this man. It was so overwhelming. Um, And so my husband and I just kind of like fast-tracked our relationship, our life. And uh, again, long story, a little longer, but we met, we knew we were gonna get married. I'm 12 years older than he is. Um, We knew we had a very limited time to even try to have a baby. We decided to try, but not try. I was pregnant two weeks later I'd never been pregnant in my life. We decided to just, you know, move forward even faster with our plans. We set a wedding date, we announced our pregnancy, we announced our engagement. I miscarried at seven weeks. Mm. And um, we were like, okay, let's still keep going. You know, we kept our wedding plans going. We're like, we'll just, you know, it sounds so trite, especially to anyone who's been through miscarriage or any other conception issues. But I was like, I just got pregnant in two weeks. I can do that again. Right. You know, well, I couldn't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> that was that. Yeah. And we went through, so we got married. We went through three rounds of IUI. Um, that's a fertility treatment unsuccessfully, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, lots of heartache. And um, at about, um, I don't know, six months into marriage, we just really sat down and said, okay, what's what's the goal here? Mm-hmm. And the goal was to be parents as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's when we found out about the foster adopt system and all of the risks, and got very well educated about all of the risks of how it can go. Because you're right, the number one uh, focus of the system is reunification. Um, meaning having that child back with his or her biological family or whether or
0: not that is the best place for them. Uh, The county still thinks the county's rules from what I understand are to place the child back with the family, whether or not emotionally, financially, you know, whatever, it may be the best thing.
1: Yeah, I would say, um, I would say if the family is saying they want custody of that child, that is definitely the bent of the system. Mm -hmm. Um, But the system won't force a child to be taken by biological family if the biological family is saying it's not what they can or want to do. Or want to do, right. Right. Um, Right.
0: So you then went through this. How long did it take you to go through the system?
1: <laughs> well, that's the amazing thing about the foster adopt process versus private ad- or you know adoption. Um, we started our classes in June of 2013, mm-hmm. and we were picking our son up at the hospital at, on the last day of September 2013. Oh wow there are so many children that need homes. Um, and in our case, we only wanted a newborn. We were sure about that. Um, but if someone wants, I'll just, just share It's, it, you know, I, it's also amazing. I don't know if you know, November's national adoption awareness month. And so I'm so honored to be getting to share about this as we round out, yeah. you know, national adoption month, but, um, So uh, there are so many children that need homes, and they cannot certify, foster, adopt parents quickly enough. Um, The other thing, just to share it, is the way at least the uh, Los Angeles system works, and I think it's pretty, it's like this a lot of places, is when you become certified to foster, they ask you to become certified to adopt. The reason being is, if and when the child does become adoptable mm-hmm. they don't want the child to get chi- to ha- to go to another home shifted and and yeah. place him with another home yeah so and and the <clears throat> system is set up for all of its issues the system is set up for children who are um, uh, infants and newborns to have finalized plans within 18 months for the healthy development of the child. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so if, so we were, we always wanted to adopt, of course, we didn't just want to foster, but, uh, so we had a child, we had our child very quickly. And however, we didn't complete our adoption until my son was 16 months old. Oh, wow.
0: So, so you had him that whole time and had to go through like, I know they do, in, I don't know if they call it inspections or check-ins or, or whatever, but all of the things like that for 16 months before you knew for sure that you got to keep him.
1: Yes. Um, oh, wow. We had a lot. I mean, <clears throat> our case is one of those like beyond lucky, blessed cases where everything that we, how we said we wanted it to go, um, and how we wanted to create our family and, and have interaction if possible with certain members of biological family, we really created that. And we're very, very lucky. So we had indication by the time our son was 10 months that things were looking really, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, with the court system, you are, you're not done till you're sitting in that courtroom signing those papers. You're just not done. And, um, and it's,
0: yeah, I was to say I was just looking through the pictures you sent me um, of you guys signing the papers. I'm assuming that's <laughs> what you're signing. The, I mean, and it makes me want to cry too. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sitting here like this is so beautiful. Um, yeah. I completely can understand why it's so personal and affects you so deeply. Because it, I it, it, it affects me that way too. So I think it's yeah. absolutely wonderful. And he's adorable.
1: Thanks. Like he's yeah.
0: really cute. What's his name?
1: His name is Deckard. Deckard.
0: Is it Deckard yeah. with a D or T? Yeah,
1: with a D. D-E-C-K-A-R-D. Deckard. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. And he's just so cute. And your husband must yeah. just be the most amazing, supportive. I don't know it any is. guy that would be like, hi, nice to meet you. Oh, let's get married. Oh, let's go through um, infertility <laughs> treatments. Oh, and now you want to adopt. I'm on board. There's like, yep. n- those guys do not exist in LA. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's pretty extraordinary. And, you know, I'll I'll just... Uh, I'll also add this because I, like I said, I had been uh, single for a really long time. and um, I, when I met my husband because he was he just turned thirty and I was forty two. Oh wow. And so, like every relationship course I had taken, every book I had read, um and one course in particular says like, you have to be bold enough to state your dating purpose from the beginning. Like you can't wait. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting down on our third date going like, okay, so listen,
0: <laughs> <laughs> So you were real clear from the beginning. I was
1: real clear. And I even said like, I don't know yeah. if I can give you babies. I'm 42. So And was he like,
0: I just want the chips and salsa. Like, Like, can we talk about this later?
1: (laughs) No, you know what? He, my husband is really extraordinary and always has been. And it's one of the reasons I married him is he just, he was one of those rare guys that came from a really awesome family and wanted to get married and wanted to have kids maybe more than anything. Oh, wow. And so when we met, I was, we were just really straight with each other. And I said, listen, if you're like, if you're open to having children one way or another, I'm in. If biological kids are a deal breaker, I completely respect that. And we should stop dating right now.
0: Yeah, that's good. Here's what I tell my friends. I have a lot of friends, uh, lady friends who are single. And, um, they're always like, uh, What do I, you know, how can I get me the guy? What is not Why can't I date any guys? And I'm like, oh, I feel like you need to be upfront, but not crazy. Like, don't be crazy about it. Like when you first meet them, don't be like, I need a ring on my finger and a baby in my belly, you know, be cool, (laughs) be cool, a little cool. But you also men are very, um, and I'm going to make a huge blanket statement here. Sorry, dudes. But like guys in general are very, um, direct you or you tell them what you mean. (laughs) And that's what they hear. Like if I tell my husband, Hey, I really, you know, I really want you to help out around the house. He hears whenever you can (laughs) pick up something from time to time. But if I say, please take out the trash and can you clean up the kitchen? Thank you. And then he's like, Oh, those are the two things I need to do. Like I have to be very specific or he'll just go cool, whatever. Yep. Whenever, you know, and he's happy to do it. It's not like he feels like I'm ordering him around or anything, but he just needs to me to be specific with him. So there's something to that good for you for laying it all out there.
1: It's true. And you know, I had, um, among many courses I had taken, I had taken, um, several with Allison Armstrong, who has an amazing company called PAX. And she, she, uh, teaches that, um, when men say where they're at, you have to believe them. So, when you're dating, if a man says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not really looking to get married for the next at least five or ten years, women a lot of time will hear that and think, oh, but if he meets the right woman, he'll change his mind. And again, right. while that may be the case, um, more often than not, when men are ready, they're really ready, and so. I just also started listening for that as I was dating. I was just like, if a man was unavailable in any sense towards committed relationship and family, then I didn't make him wrong and I you know, didn't try to change him. I just didn't give it a lot of my time or energy.
0: Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. Well, so now how has, um, how has your son affected your work-life balance? Because I know a lot of moms out here are trying to figure out how to spend enough time with their, their child, and then also still pursue their dreams. I personally think acting is the great, uh, or, you know, entertainment can be a great field to do that. in cause it's so fluid and it's such a, there's such a freelance nature to it. Um, but how are you finding that balance?
1: Yeah. Well, um, another great example of how it doesn't look anything like I thought it was going to look, um, because originally when first of all becoming a mom the way that I did I didn't have any maternity leave and I actually didn't even share with the public that I was a mom mm-hmm. for over a year unless someone was with me in session or mm-hmm. then they they would occasionally meet him because he came to work with me a lot um so the answer is it's a constant dance constant change and as a casting director, I'm really lucky and as an actor, I'm really lucky that I can work from home a lot, especially Mm -hmm. with all of the advances in technology. And I can even oftentimes direct um, sessions via Skype with my team at the studio and then be there for callbacks and, you know, or, or bring my family, my son with me and have him come, you know, hang out and then go do his thing. So it's, At first, what it looked like is honestly a full time nanny. Yeah, um, which thankfully we could afford, Um, and my husband and I working together at that time um, at Renita Casting, so that we could trade off with every part of parenthood and work, and and then things shifted again, and we no longer have a full time nanny. And we kind of looked at our lives and looked at the quality of our lives because we weren't really never around and not around enough that made us satisfied and happy for everything that we had gone through to become parents. Right. And um, we decided, you know, and our nanny actually um, had to uh, go back home. And so she, having no full-time nanny anymore, not really wanting to find another one, and looking at our lives we decided to do a huge shift and my husband is now basically full-time daddying he has been for the last year and then he does the CFO duties for Renita Casting and then helps out on occasion when he can or when we really need it and i'm back to working you know quote full-time plus and then i've got my team so that's how we chose to get the most quality out of and joy out of our lives as parents um, and we really like it. Uh, it's it's tricky sometimes um, not having a double income, right? Um, but it. Won't what did be your, your husband, husband do? He's also entertainment industry. Okay. He um he has a producing degree and he worked in business affairs. Um, he was at Focus Features. Then he was at Paramount, and um, so he's
0: familiar with the lifestyle of the industry and.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and um and you know I'm sure he'll go back in to doing something he loves in the industry sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, he's still very much involved with casting. He's just not doing the day to day like he used to, but it's really, so it's, so it doesn't look a thing like I thought it was going to look. And it's also had, I've had to give up like, my shoulds about a lot of things right mm-hmm. like the shoulds about the like what it looks like to what I sh- you mean
0: like what I should be doing as opposed to like what what I am doing or what I like be yeah. more flexible is that what you mean
1: I mean, like I didn't imagine that I would be working full time and my husband would be the one full time daddy, oh, like, sure, I, sure, yeah. you know, yeah. or I didn't imagine that, um, you know, just all of it, like, every, and, and it does get tricky sometimes. My son has grown up with me working in the house. So at this point, he's really, really good about it. Most of the time, like mm-hmm. he knows that I'm working, he'll come into my office quietly if he wants to say hi, um. But, and I get to see him all during the day, even if it's so just for, nice. hear, you know, it's amazing. So
0: that's how I feel too. Like Channing is really good now. She's seen me do the podcast uh, enough where uh, I gen- I try not to tape it when she's here, but sometimes things just can't be helped and she'll mm-hmm. pop her head in. But for the most part, she's really good about if I need to run back into the office and do something um, she knows I, I have to get work done and she's really, she, she just used to it. They just, kids are far more adaptable, I think, than we give them credit for. Yeah. Um, yes, they can be spazzy babies and cry for no reason sometimes. And you're like, what's wrong with you? But, um, uh, but for the most part, they're pretty adaptable. They see what we do and they get used to it. And, you know, they just kind of. They go with the flow, I guess. Some, some more than others, maybe. Um, yeah. Again, don't tweet at me if you don't have the kid that doesn't go with the flow. Sorry.
1: Well, yeah, no, I mean, believe me, my son also has times when he I mean, honest to God, an hour and a half ago, all he was doing was screaming at the top of his lungs that he wanted me to hug him. and You know, and like, and I'm like, Oh, my God, of course, you know, the morning that I'm getting, you know, finishing a couple jobs and getting ready to talk to you. And I'm laughing. I'm like, but this is what motherhood is. work life looks like. But the other, you know, the other thing I want to say that's just so important to me, and I always remind myself of is children form their ideas around how we be about anything. So, you know, if we are that something's an issue, if we are that working at home makes us a bad, terrible mom, and that's how we act, then our child will regard it that way.
0: And they'll think that. Yeah. And they'll reflect that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: You know, and the same thing goes for, you know, creating family any way a person creates family. It's all how we language it. It's all how we embody it. And it's the meaning or lack of meaning that we give anything that will form our children's perception and their children and they're going to act crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, you know. like with Channing, I have to take her to auditions with me sometimes and it, she's been going with me to auditions since she was about two months old because mm-hmm. that's what I do. I'm an actor. I go to auditions. She's part of my life and sometimes I don't have the money to pay for a sitter for a few hours and, you know, so we do what we do. And now she's so comfortable with it. She goes in, she sits on the couch and she just hangs out and, you know, and and, and she knows that's mommy's job, one of mommy's exactly. jobs. Exactly. So, She's used to it and has adapted to it. I know there's a lot of um, a lot of parents who are really hesitant to take their kids to auditions, which I understand. It can be a huge distraction and you, there's a lot on the line and, you know, um, so you, they have to do what they feel comfortable with. But I, yeah. for me, it's just she goes with me. She's she it is what it is. I'm a mom. I'm a full time mom and. Uh, part-time actor and until that changes (laughs) you know until those tides turn um, yeah she's gonna go with me um I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the projects you've cast you've cast some you you worked with huge commercial clients first of all you've also worked on um big films and music videos which I was looking through your music video uh list like what (laughs) um I assume you just hang out with rock stars all the time
1: yeah you know (laughs) Not so much anymore.
0: <laughs> like, you, like you do in Hollywood. Um,
1: like you do. You get a drink and you talk about Did kids. you
0: work with, uh, I know you cast She Will Be Loved with Maroon 5. Um, is Adam Levine really nice? Did you work with him?
1: You know, I didn't get to meet Adam. You just met with the uh, Yeah, with, with the director. And then um, I wasn't there. The only time I really would get to meet the musicians is if I went to set. Uh, because it's not very often they're there before they're shooting on occasion, they would come to callbacks and that was always fun. Cause I'd really get to sit and chat with somebody for an extended period of time. Oh, so cool. Uh, but, uh, for the most part, if I met someone, it was on set, I didn't go to that shoot. Um, but, uh,
0: but still that's such a cool thing to, I mean, what a cool job. I mean, casting yeah. to me, it would be really cool. It'd be really stressful, I guess, depending on the project you're working on. But I want to, um, since I post on social media, I want to get to a couple of questions from, um, actors that are coming in. Caitlin Hurst on Twitter, uh, tweeted at MIH podcast. Um, my biggest challenge is not living in LA. I know work is anywhere now, but do things still cast in LA? I'm assuming she means like, still like all of the big things and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a, such a good question and so relevant. Um, the Especially answer is for
0: what you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I have, um, I have really put an emphasis on what I'm calling virtual auditioning and in my opinion, and here's where I'm probably going to get a lot of, you know, uh, contentious (laughs) tweets is, um, I really feel that this is the future of auditioning, especially first round auditioning. And as an actor, as a voiceover actor, I can tell you this because it's how the voice industry has been for years. Um, Uh, so being an actor anywhere in the world now is easier than ever before you just need a proper setup to be able to self-tape yourself you have to understand how to uh get your uh audition to the uh, casting director who's uh needing it in the way they've requested it and on time but um Is casting in Los Angeles for big projects going away anytime soon? No. Will it ever go away completely? No. Um, And you can be anywhere in the world and start an acting career at this point.
0: What do you think somebody needs to do to do that? Do they just need to be on like Actors Access? Do they need to have a website and a reel? Like those, the standard types of things that you would have in LA? Or do you just, you should also have an agent, I'm sure, wherever you are. Right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, well, I would say first of all, um, if someone's interested in commercial acting, which is really the majority of my uh work, I do everything, but I but commercials are my day-to-day, anything advertising related. Mm-hmm. Um, the casting networks, which is a, also a global entity at this point, they should go on casting networks wherever it is in their region and set up a profile. They don't need an agent for that. Um, yes, spend the money and get a decent headshot. Don't have, unless your uncle is a headshot photographer, do not have your uncle take the picture (laughs) Um, and uh, do that. But again, there are lots of great photographers out there offering very fair deals for a first headshot. You don't need 20 of them. You just need one good commercial photo, Um, put up a resume, whatever it is. And yeah, if you've got a reel, put it up. If you don't, Going back to creating content, start creating your own content. It's very easy to do, and it's and very important. It, if people listen to my important. podcast, they would know that exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I and I just, actually I just did a little uh, video, which is um, now on my YouTube page, uh, Renita Casting YouTube page, um, about demo reels. And on that, I was talking about how you always have a way to have content for your demo reel now, because you can make your own content. Um uh, to follow so you on
0: the YouTube. I didn't know you were on YouTube. I'll have to follow I you.
1: just started utilizing my YouTube. I'm, I've been on Twitter, as you know, for a really mm-hmm. long time and Facebook and now Instagram, um, not using Snapchat too much, maybe soon, um, though I am on there. And then I just started really using my YouTube because I've been really having fun making these videos for um, actors and producers and ad agencies alike about just little tips from at this point an almost 18 year casting director veteran. And, and it's just really fun for me to do. So that's yeah, great.
0: Check out. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. I think you it's good that you're uh, expanding your social media. I'm a big fan of that. As as you know, okay. So I want to go to Facebook. Um, my friend Hershey Ash, I'm going to mess up Hershey's name. Hershey Ashley Wingler says, uh, she would like to know your thoughts on large group auditions, especially the ones without dialogue. Um, Mm -hmm. and what what are you and uh, producers looking for in those group auditions? Um, She says, I've been to several groups where the actors are always fighting for the spotlight, maybe in talking over each other and whatnot, instead of working together. And it seems like a waste of time to her. So what do you think Mm -hmm. about that?
1: What a great question. So again, I'll speak from the advertising perspective. What you want to know when it comes to advertising, like it or not, is everything is about demographics. And so when you're in a group audition, it's usually for a number of reasons. First, it's it could be because we have very little time to cast the project and need to consolidate the use of that time. But it could also be that we're casting so many roles that we, we well, sort of the same thing, like we need to see a lot of people to cast a lot of roles. And ultimately, you can be the best actor in the universe and nine commercials out of 10, if you do not look the way the client needs you to look to represent the brand and the brand's demographics, you're not going to get a callback. You're not going to book the job. Um, Once you're in a callback, you being more talented than someone else who's in the right, uh, you know, demographic and and so on will book you the job. Mm -hmm. But initially what I would say is don't be discouraged by group auditions. You really need to trust the person auditioning you, you need to trust the casting director or whoever's holding the audition. They didn't call you there, put you in a group and put you on camera to waste your time or their time ever. I promise you. Mm -hmm. And, and we are covering each individual at a point in that group. So even though let's say you're in a group of six people and you're doing a scene or talking, we are covering each person for at least a couple seconds, usually in a close-up, so that whoever's watching the sessions can know see that person. how you look and how you interact. Yeah. And they only need, think about yourself. How long do you really need to form an opinion about something? Three seconds. A seconds. Three. Yeah. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> casting, right? Like it, you know, initially. So <clears throat> if if I'm if I'm looking for someone who looks a certain way and has a certain you know set of qualifications Casting directors called in people in that general ilk, but often Heather, sometimes they'll be so general. They'll be like, I don't know. Maybe they're African-American. Maybe they're Asian. Maybe they're, uh, I don't know. They could be native American. They could yeah. be Caucasian.
0: <laughs> I get, honestly, I feel like that I can almost tell when that happens. Cause I'll walk into a casting session and there'll be like a hundred other people. there, of all different shapes and sizes. And we're all auditioning for the same part. And you can almost tell where the producer was like, just whatever somebody funny somebody <laughs> with improv experience and I'm just like uh oh. yeah so yeah as an actor it's just a little I think it, I understand Hershey's question because it's just a little deflating because you feel like you go in and you're gonna um, you know use all of your training and your skills and be the one that stands out and you want to show the you want to show the casting director, but also the producers. The, why you're the choice and then when you get lumped in with five other people who all also feel that way you know everybody's yeah. sort of competing a little bit there's a lot of and I'm sure you've seen it maybe even some like subtle like nudging you know I don't know depending on whatever mm-hmm. that the is there's always um lately every commercial I go to uh, audition I go to it's there's a lot of props. Like they'll set out almost the full scene of mm-hmm. the commercial, but with like fi- you know pretend props or whatever that you are supposed to work with. And everybody's like, "Oh yeah, well I'm going to take this shirt and wave it around even higher than she did." And it just gets weird. It's a weirdly it's a weird way to audition, yeah. but I know well- it's very popular.
1: It, well, can I let me let me say two things about that 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 strike me as we're talking about it because it's it's what I really want to empower actors with. First of all, <clears throat> let's say you're in a room with six other people and we've been able, if we're doing six people at a time and I've got about six hours of session, six, six, uh, six, to thirty six. let's just say I was able to call two hundred people into a session, which is ridiculous. But yes. if I did them six at a time, I might be able to. Right. okay? You are still one of 200 from probably 8000. crazy. That's okay? crazy. Okay. So let's start there. You've already succeeded. I know it feels crappy when you're in a room with five other people, mm-hmm. but you already have won the lottery you in terms it. of getting picked. You so that's number 1. Yeah. You know? And by um by ratios, if we're casting a spot with 10 characters, we need to see 30 people per roll on yeah. average. Yeah. That's so what's that? 300. That's okay. Astronomical. So how as well, we have to start with 8,000 and get it down to 300 to get 10.
0: Wow. And okay, those are the ones like, that go to maybe go to a callback or 10 per parole.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I'd say t- seven to 10 is a fair amount at callbacks oftentimes. So, mm-hmm. so let's say 8,000 to 300 to, um, to a hundred seventy 70 to a hundred mm-hmm. to then, you know, 10 recos, 10 backups when you're presenting to a client minimum. Right. So, right. so that's the first point I want to make is reframe how it's occurring for you. Yeah. Okay. The next thing is um first first and greatest rule of improv is empower your partner. Right? right. Be a yes. Mm-hmm. Have Make them Make the other
0: person look good.
1: Have them look good. Well, guess what? Same rule for auditions whether it's improv or not. So you're actually making yourself look like a jackass mm-hmm. if you're showboating and to be the center of the attention. Yeah, totally. And everybody sees it and at the end of the day when they are deciding between two people, you want to know the number one question, it's not who's the most talented is, who have you worked with before and who's nicer to have on set.
0: Oh, yeah. Does so, it count against do you? Do you think if you haven't ever worked with that person before or if anybody you're like, I don't know, she seems nice. I've auditioned with her dozens of times, you know.
1: Oh, it doesn't count against you at all. Mm. It's it at, at all. I mean, that's that's to be expected. Right. Yeah. Um, until people work, they don't work. But right. uh, but but the opposite is not the case. Like if someone's known to be a troublemaker or somebody's been a big pain in the butt in the lobby or the session room or someone clearly can't play nice with others in front of the camera, then that's you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. One of my favorite sayings.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Um So, yeah. So I I hope that helps reframe it for any actors listening. Like it's all how it occurs for you. So if you can just have it be like, oh, my God, I'm amazing. I got an audition. And now here I am having the opportunity. If you treat the audition like an audition, it'll always go one way. If you treat the audition like the performance, it'll go another way. Mm -hmm. So if you're performing the spot with the six people in front of the camera at that moment, having everyone feel empowered and great you may find six of you back at the audition at the uh, callback rather. That's a
0: great, no, that's such a great reminder. I think it's something actors know, but we get so insecure and we get so worried that we just start second guessing. And it's, that's a great reminder to have. Um, okay. So I want to also ask, uh, my friend, Sonia Jersey wants to know, how do you feel about actors kissing up to you? Um, she said she went to your office one time for an audition and was astounded by, whatever she saw there with actors, um, kissing up to you. And I don't know, I don't know if she means in terms of like gifts or like, Oh, you look so gorgeous today. And that sort of thing, which by the way, you do hint, hint, uh-huh. uh, totally kissing up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, um, how do you feel about that? Are you able to sniff out the, uh, the butt kissers? Basically? <laughs>
1: I think that's yeah, the <laughs> Of course. I mean, of, of course, most of the time. And, um, to be frank, we're just so busy that there just, isn't that much time to kiss up. It, I mean, even people that think BS. they're kissing up, it's just like, I'm just trying to have my day go the way I need it to go in the time I need it to well, go. You're
0: working. I think that yeah. I think sometimes there is a ca- such a casual, um, feel for actors. When we walk in, we want to be friendly. We want to, you know, we're actors. We just by nature and, you know, are friendly people, but, um, we forget sometimes that casting directors are working like you're at your job. We're at our jobs. We're not there to socialize and you can be friendly. I think without being like, Oh my God, you know, like, uh, what are you doing
1: for Christmas? Well,
0: you know, like there's just, there's a, there's a line. I think a lot of yeah. us don't know where to stop.
1: You know, it, it's funny you say that. I was just thinking, I, I think that sometimes trying to quote kiss up can also work against you because I'll only speak for myself is I usually am so busy, especially at a callback. I've got my clients there. I've got the ad yeah, agency. I mean, there. a lot of pressure. It's like hosting a cocktail party. Really. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I always want the actors to feel comfortable and welcome because I want them to be empowered in the room. I don't want them. I want them walking in confidently, not discouraged. So I also feel like if someone stops to talk to me, I don't want to just brush them off because I don't want them to make it mean something. And then, Right? So and then
0: get nervous and get in their head and all of that. Yeah.
1: Right, but it but but truthfully, unless I'm just standing there, you know, sort of doing nothing, if you see me on the move, <laughs> I don't really have time to stop and chat. So, if an actor stops to try to go like, "Hey, what are you doing for Christmas?" and "How was your Halloween?" and and I might be like, "Oh, it's so great. It's so good to see you." And if my feet are still moving,
0: <laughs> I like no time to chat, people. I got to go. I'm working. <laughs>
1: You know, so I don't know. I, I, I will say this other thing, which is having been a casting director in Los Angeles for so long, I know a lot of actors and I know a lot of actors personally by now. Some, a lot of them are my friends or I have just known them for years from coming in and I love seeing them. I don't love being locked behind my computer all the time. So if you're, if you've never been in for me or we don't know each other very well and you see me. You know, gabbing with a an actor, and you're thinking, "Oh man, they're kissing up." They may actually be someone who you know, he's a friend of yours, <laughs> my house last Saturday, or who knows my sister, or right, you know, right. like that. So,
0: uh, okay. Next question is from Rich Keith, uh, who is a very famous producer, and executive producer, which uh, is interesting to me. Why? Why he wants to ask this question? But okay. he's always been curious as to what what uh, producers and directors mean when they say ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> and really then, funny. but here's why also why I'm asking this is because like four other people replied. Yes. What does this mean? Yes. This is a great question. So my friend, uh, Trish and Mary, uh, they all want to know what does this mean? Ethnically ambiguous.
1: Okay. Such a good question. So most of the time ethnically ambiguous means like you look at the person and and you can't tell what their heritage is just by looking at them. Right. Meaning, so, and here I'm going to, and please, I'm just going to lay a disclaimer. Please forgive anything that I'm about to say that might be perceived as incorrect politically. But I'm talking in the casting world of our job, okay? Right. Nobody so,
0: judge Renita for her don't honesty, judge so, me. so stop You it. can ask
1: questions, though, and it's and I totally get it, and things are changing, and, and we could get into a whole separate conversation about stereotypes and where they get get originated, but that's not the point right now. Right. The point is the question about ethnically ambiguous. So I'll give you a, for instance, if someone is half black and half something else and you look at them, you think, you know, that person has African American or African heritage, Mm -hmm. that person most of the time is not ethnically ambiguous. Mm -hmm. They would be multicultural. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Ethnically ambiguous is someone that looks like me, Mm-hmm. Or someone that looks like, um, oh gosh, now I'm trying to give you. Celebrity it's usually, rock.
0: like um, uh, darker skin, different darker, uh, darker hair like, tone.
1: Yeah, like color. are they? Yeah, exactly. Are they Hispanic? Are they Middle Eastern? The East? Are they yeah. like where are they? Where, what are they? Where, what would their gene pool look like? That's ethnically ambiguous, and the reason it's become so popular is a because the Hispanic market is booming. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the time you're casting spots that are both great general market and Hispanic market. So you want someone who may be Hispanic, but may not be Hispanic. Mm -hmm. But you can't tell just by looking at them because they're not talking.
0: Do they, Why do Why do producers want I'm sorry to interrupt Why does yeah. that something producers want Why don't they just say We want someone who is Latino We want someone who is African American Why don't they just mm-hmm. pick one Why does it have to be amb- ambiguous Is it because they don't They want to sort of a- Appeal to a wider audience Or is that th- the intention
1: I think it depends on their demographic And I, I think going to demographics I think it speaks to the changes In our world right now mm-hmm. Which is a great thing Which is we have become more and more and more of a melting pot. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so that is part of the spec. Now it's, it's, uh, that someone could be from anywhere USA or anywhere on the globe, and you don't necessarily know where they come from. Uh, if they want Hispanic, then they do say Hispanic. If they want African-American, they will say African-American, um, or they'll say someone who could be African-American or African-American and another, um, ethnicity mixed. Or if they want Caucasian and only Caucasian, they'll often distinguish that from ethnically ambiguous as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So did I? Don't know if that answered your question, but I think it speaks to the worldliness of civilization at this point. Yeah, Uh, and so
0: well, it just makes sense that that casting and commercials and television films that we see should reflect the world that we live in. And I think there's a lot of people right now who feel like it doesn't. Um, you know, there's a lot of backlash and from actors who feel like it's not diverse enough. I think Hollywood is slowly trying to do that. They're, they're making strides. Like I've seen more diverse shows on TV now than I've ever seen, like in the last decade, even. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, um, that may be why so many people were curious about, about the ethnically ambiguous question. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, You know, yeah, it's it's. I will say that as television continues to shift, as what we're watching for entertainment continues to shift, it will inform advertising in a huge way. Yeah. Um. So the more we do see plenty of ethnicity in our entertainment, thank goodness, the more you'll start seeing more and more ethnicity in your advertising. But that said if a brand has done millions and millions and millions of dollars in market research and knows that their brand sells best to a certain demographic age or uh, area or ethnicity, then that's who they might tend to market to.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, I honestly could, could sit here and talk to you about um, casting stuff and, you know, behind the scenes and what goes on and all of those things forever. I'm so fascinated with the casting process with the producers. The few casting sessions I've actually been um in on were very eye-opening for me as an actor. I try to encourage other actors if they can go and do an internship at a casting office. Mm-hmm. Um your world will be open and I honestly think a lot of the insecurities will will go away because yep. you see all the actors coming in, but you also see what the casting director has to go through and the hoops that the producers make them jump through. And you can also see that the casting director is not out to get you. They do root for you. They call you in for a reason. Um, and that for me was such an eye opener. And that was one of the things I first did when I moved to LA and I'm so glad I did. Um, yeah. So I listen, Thank you for giving us, for giving us these great reminders and another wonderful perspective on, um, casting and what it's like. But for me personally, thank you for sharing your world as a mom. And I didn't know all of that about your, um, journey to motherhood and the process you went through. And I'm, I'm just so honored that you shared that with me and and our listeners and my listeners. Thank you.
1: It's, it's my, like I said at the beginning, it's my privilege and my pleasure. And I could talk to you all day too about all of the above. Um, we really do get to work in and be in the best industry and place in the world, in my opinion. And, um, it's just super fun. So we'll have to do it again.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would love that. Well, you guys, I'm going to put all the information about where you can follow Renita on all of her social sites and the YouTube. Now that Yay. you can watch her videos too, uh, I'll put all of that up on motherhoodinhollywood.com. I hope you guys have an amazing week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Balls.